0: This is That's in the Bible.com.
1: That's in the Bible, episode number 55 The Great Counterfeiter.
0: Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is that at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, sage from the chastening rod, seek. Pilgrims, Christians away. Jesus is
1: coming. Hello, and welcome back to That's We're in the Bible. My name's Eric. Glad you could join us today for another episode of That's in the Bible. The great counterfeiter. I know what you're thinking. What is this? Uh, it's going to talk about uh, somebody printing off money in their basement, or is it is it something else? Well, stay tuned and... We'll find out as Pastor Steve brings us that lesson today. Pastor Steve, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. And as you uh well I guess as you know, but the listeners don't know, Matt's not joining us today, so right. it's pretty much open season then on Matt today. So.
2: <laughs> well, I you know, there's a lot of things we could go into. We'll see what happens as the time goes on. <laughs> we'll go into those later, so stay tuned, Matt, if you're listening. <laughs>
1: And uh, Pastor Strobel is also here. I am, by the grace of God. Amen. Amen. So guys, uh, I know we were talking a little bit before. There's uh, probably nothing earth-shattering right at the moment to, to, uh, to update us on, but just uh, just quickly, how are you guys doing?
3: Doing fine here. Uh, we were able to go take uh, some of our men to the prayer meeting at Chilai and had a good time there with them. Um, got a chance to hear... Uh, former pastor Larry Brown, who is now an evangelism uh, preach, and he really did a good job with the men. It's good to get uh, Christian men in a setting where mm-hmm. they're just being spoken to, and uh, Pastor Brown or Evangelist uh, Brown. Now uh, he hit on some things that um, you know normally wouldn't be hit on in mixed company, and it was very good for uh, the men to hear it. Uh, then um, Monday back in uh, Attica um, had a good study there uh, with one of our volunteers and myself. And got a chance, I was uh, the time I, I had with them, I was teaching them some of the same things that we talked about uh, on the 400th anniversary King James presentation and um, going along those lines. <clears throat> and next time, the Lord willing, I'm going to have the opportunity to show them the movie that I talked to you about. But um, I was going through the Purified Seven Times, and as I was going through that and teaching it, um, I had another thought when I was talking about when the King James Bible was... Uh, published the total time of the translation because the, the translation the uh, began well it was commissioned in 1604 January 1604 they had the Hampton Court Conference and then later on that year the translation began and then as we all know it was published in 1611 so as I'm teaching I kind of had a a fleeting thought about that you know being uh, seven years and you know how it is when you're teaching you get a thought you can't really pursue it because you got to keep going with what you're going, if you start talking and you haven't developed it, you can talk yourself right into a corner, <laughs> which, um, I have done before. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when, we all when we were finished, um, uh, brother Bill, who was, uh, in, in with me that night, uh, he brought that up in reference to the, um, purified seven times. And, uh, so we got a chance to, to develop it, talk a little bit more, but here's what I got to thinking, uh, along with that, you know, he mentioned it's kind of like a, a second witness, but, um. In the Bible, there's cases where times are actually referred to as years or years as times. Mm -hmm. For example, uh, in the book of Revelation, chapter number 12, you read how that uh, the woman, which is Israel, is given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness in her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time. (laughs) If you were to make an algebraic problem out of that, you would... Uh, if you put x for time, you'd have x, two x, plus ha- half x. So you'd have three and a half x. That time corresponds with um, one thousand two hundred three score days in Revelation twelve six. That's where the woman flees into the wilderness, and there's a place where they should feed her. There that comes out to twelve hundred and sixty days, which equals um, uh, forty two months on the thirty day month period, like uh, the Jewish calendar. And if you're divided into 360-day years, that's three-and-a-half years. So the times equals up to three-and-a-half years, a time, time, and a half time, three-and-a-half time, three-and-a-half years. So purified seven times, that thing took seven years, the whole process. And it was a belabored process. It wasn't cranked out in um, 70 days like the claims of the Septuagint. Um, or faster like some of the versions today, but it was painstaking as we talked about, and uh, there seems to be some merit right there. Uh, purified Amen. seven times, a seven-year period of, of purifying down here on this earth as they work on that translation. So um, having just talked about that, I thought I'd throw that out for you tonight.
2: Amen. Amen. Steve? Well, <laughs> I haven't had any great epiphany like uh, Pastor Strobel's had in regards to the Scriptures like that, but yeah, but um, you have a three-part series coming. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that. In a little bit. <laughs> uh, you're always trying to get me off what I'm trying to say, and then I'll forget it. And uh, it
3: don't take much
2: either, does it? No, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't at all. Um, on Monday, and this is going to sound rather carnal, but it's 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 important to uh, my family and and I and me, however that. Phrased. Um, long ago, when our kids were growing up, we had five of them that, uh, I and mean before we had five, when there was just a couple of them, we, uh, we were faced with what to do with Halloween. And obviously, the, the, all the other kids were going around, and, and we were thinking that our kids were going to be envious and, and jealous of that. So we tried to think of an alternative for Halloween, and, and we didn't dress them up or do anything like that, but what we did do is we, we decided that we would take them to Friendly's, which is a, an ice cream place here in uh, the Northeast, and uh, uh, it, it's got a lot of flavors and a lot of different things and so forth, and we told them as little kids that they could order anything they wanted, uh, and if they finished it, fine, if they didn't, fine. But we had a time when the family went out, and uh we'd sit there and we'd talk and laugh and ask questions answer questions and and we just always enjoyed that time and and as they grew older the 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 tradition continued and um even when they left the home, the tradition continued uh and uh, so <laughs> this past uh Monday on Halloween uh we met at a Friendly's, and uh, now it's expanded to uh, some wives that have been joined to the family, and Matt and Jen texted us and sh- showed us a picture that they went to a friendlies and uh, uh, have carried on the tradition there in, in the absence of the rest of the family. But we sat down, and we laughed, and we joked, and we talked to Bible and and uh, just enjoyed each other's company, uh, uh, carrying on a tradition that um, we started long ago, and you know, one of the things, I guess, that brings me joy and brings me pleasure is the fact that when we were bringing up our children, we didn't try to be their friend. And I know that sounds rather strange, but we tried to be their parents and not their mm-hmm. friend. And consequently, we were bad guys for a lot of times because we said no and disciplined and so forth. And and uh, now we're able to see the fruit of that, uh, we're able to uh, not only be a mother and a father to our children but now I consider my my grown sons and daughters as friends and we enjoy each other's company and we uh, laugh and carry on and, and pick on each other just like I do Matt so he's not <laughs> any different than any of the other kids, they all get picked on. Uh, and they pick on me and and my wife, so it's it's all free game, but we all enjoy uh, our time together, and uh, it was a tradition that's been carried on for many years, and that's where we were on Monday. This coming um, uh, Friday, actually tomorrow, uh, we're going to City Mission, which we do every first Friday of the month, and uh, my youngest son, Dave, is going to be uh, preaching, and we'll go down and and uh, um, do some things there, you know, try to minister and be a blessing. Uh, <laughs> we must like friendlies because we, after, after we go to City Mission, all the guys go to friendlies and uh, we eat or have ice cream or whatever. But it's been a time of discipleship for us. <clears throat> My sons grew up doing that from a young age as well. And uh, the fellows that I've gone with for a number of years, we would sit around and we'd talk Bible and ask questions and search the scriptures. I mean, we all bring our Bibles into friendlies. We set them down and they're often open. And uh, those around, if they hear the conversation, they hear it. Uh, But we talk about all kinds of Bible things and try to witness to the waitresses and. And uh, uh, they've grown to know who we are and expect us on on Friday nights, every first Friday of the month. And uh, uh, they don't chagrin or they don't hold back and say, oh, no, they're coming again, but they look forward to us coming. And uh, I don't know if it's because we tip well or what, but uh, uh, we have some of the waitresses that are are looking for the next uh, Chick track, the one that they don't have, and they read them. And so we, we just kind of extend the, the ministry from City Mission uh, on into friendlies as well. So, uh, But our, we, we consider that a discipleship time. And uh, some of the young boys in a church that are coming along with us, uh, we instruct them as I did mine. You shut your mouth. You don't ask questions. You just sit and listen. And it sounds rough and coarse, but really, they'll learn a lot. And uh, we teach them to saddle up next to somebody else as we're there in City Mission when we get a chance to talk to them one-on-one after the preaching. And uh, they learn how to witness. They learn how to deal with somebody. They learn how how to draw from the Scriptures and what Scriptures to use. So, uh, you know, it's not just a matter of going down, uh, preaching Hail Columbia or whatever to the guys there in the mission. There's, there's a lot of things going on there, and uh, we look forward to... Having that opportunity and and uh, consider that a blessing from God.
1: Hmm. Amen. So, did I hear you? Did I hear you say that uh, in, in discipling folks that you you take them to friendlies?
2: Uh, at least in that particular uh, uh, situation, we do. Why, Eric? Uh, did I never take you to friendlies? I, I think that... I'm
1: owed at least an ice cream <laughs> Sunday here. I, I I got no friendlies.
2: Well, I'll tell you what. You come up on the first Friday of the month, and we'll treat you, I'll treat you to a Sunday.
1: All right, you heard it here, folks, right here on the, uh, that's in the Bible. The,
2: now, the trick okay. is, is getting him here on the first Friday of the month. That's going to be the trick.
1: Why? I, I, all right, I, well, I, I think, you, I I don't, I don't even think I should have to come on the first Friday. I, there were many, many times that uh, we got together.
2: And, uh, <laughs> no no, no fr- friendlies was ever mentioned. I opened up my home to you. You did. You came over to my house every week. Yeah, I did.
1: Yeah, you did. Yeah, I still, I, I'm still... I'm friendly sounds <clears throat> good. Actually, I was at Friendly's the other the other, <laughs> the other night with... Uh, I got this... Uh, I think I was telling Pastor uh, Strobel here before we started that I got this uh, Bible that's just formatted differently. It's a Cambridge Bible. It's called the Clarion. Clarion uh, reference Bible. And it's rather than most how most Bibles are formatted in two columns, this is just like one... One column, and it's a little bit formatted. The poetical books and and passages are 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 in stanzas, different, much different than than they would be. But anyway, it's it's an interesting book. And I was showing it to a friend of mine at, at Friendly's, and he had his Bible out, and we were we did that too. We haven't even talked about that before, but that's something we do. And then,
3: well, before we leave the friendly conversation,
1: um, <laughs> you you want one too? This, this no. first Friday. No.
3: No, that's right. But there's a question that came up uh, in my mind, and I'm, I'm sure some of our listeners had this when Steve was going through this. Now that the kids are grown and you're still carrying on the tradition, does dad still have to foot the bill for all the kids and the wives and everybody?
2: I did. Although they took care of the tip, I did foot the bill this time. Huh. <laughs> wow. So, and by the way, I need to add this. You know, the very first fellow that I discipled in Lockport, New York, was a guy by the name of Tim. And you know what he did? He I opened my home. He came over to my home every Friday night. And you know what he did? He brought over a half gallon of Friendly's ice cream. Every <laughs> every Friday. Wow. Oh, are you trying to say Eric O's oh, you have? No, 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 I'm not trying to say anything. I'm just, you know, <laughs> he can think what he wants. <laughs> if so conviction a, comes down. I'm like, just
1: noticing um, I was never included in all the ice cream shenanigans that went on. <laughs> the, the, some people were bringing it, you were buying it, and I think I got classic of cold water is what I got.
3: <laughs> and, well, I know this, if the owners of Friendlies are saved, they're getting some unknown <laughs> rewards <laughs> at the Judgment Seat of Christ here. <laughs>
1: Uh, Mm. All right, we're going to just take a quick break, and then we'll be right back.
0: Welcome. You have found Fats in the Bible, a podcast that looks at fascinating and sometimes controversial topics, and we search the scriptures to see what the Bible actually says on each subject. Do
2: angels have wings? Will the church go through the tribulation? Does the Bible condone same-sex marriage? What does it mean to be saved? And is there a way to really understand the Bible? Get your Bible and follow along with Eric, Matt,
0: Pastor Steve and Pastor Strobel as we answer these questions and many more as we present another episode of Fats in the Bible. There is coming a day of judgment, a day of reckoning, when each individual will stand before the Lord to be judged. As you rightly divide the word of truth, you will find two main judgments that fit this. One is the judgment seat of Christ, and the other is the great white throne judgment. Are you ready? Find out in episode 28. After this, the judgment. Only on
2: factsinthebible.com.
1: Alright, that was a word from our sponsor, which is us.
2: I tell you, amen. you, got my attention with that. Well, that was scary, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, in some ways, I think it will be. Yeah, amen, amen. So we're we're talking about uh, the great counterfeiter, and, and Steve, you mentioned before we started, but I mentioned here at uh, the beginning that you're thinking about a series for this.
2: Well, yeah, some related topics to it. Um, you know, we're talking about the mystery of iniquity. Uh, might be able to go into something of who that might be And then uh, also uh, into some of the types of uh, uh, the Antichrist And uh, from the Old Testament And then going through some of those hmm.
1: Sounds interesting
2: But we have to have the first installment though
1: Which is coming up in just a second that- So anything else before we get started? And I happen to have this ready to go today Aha! Uh-huh. Apparently not. So, Steve, you ready? I'm that ready. Was, that was a word from Matt. He's camping out. There.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Did he have a good excuse this time? I mean, was was there anything? Well, I, I really don't want to say what he, what excuse he used. Uh, he wasn't making a phone call, was he?
1: No, it, it was uh, something about he, being married and yeah, that, that, that was attention. the obvious.
2: <laughs> <laughs> He's married now. Wow. Okay. That's a slide. Better
3: better that my daughter
2: will hear that don't slap me.
3: (laughs) Better a night a night off there with his wife than marriage counseling.
2: Uh, Yeah. 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 Amen. Amen. all
1: right. Well let's go ahead and go to number fifty-five, the great counterfeiter.
2: Well, guys, thanks. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, before we get started, let's uh, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father, we're thankful for the day. We're thankful for your goodness and your grace. We're thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. And Lord, I thank you for the things that went on today. Lord, uh, just all the little adversities that went on to uh, kind of prepare for what's going to be going on this evening. Uh, Lord, just ask that you'd free my tongue up. And God, I pray that you'd help me to put this uh, podcast, this Bible study, uh, out on the airway. And and uh, Lord, that you might be able to use it. God, that it might bring you glory and honor. I know that I'm talking about someone that is your enemy. Uh, but Lord, in doing so, it is to make us stronger Christians and uh, to love you more and cling to you and draw to you instead of going away from you. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help me. Fill me with your spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, just to start this thing off, let me just say, state the obvious. We have an adversary, and that adversary is the devil. And uh, that's who we're going to be talking about. He is the counterfeiter. And uh, we'll get into some specifics about that in a few moments. But the verse that I'm sure that you, most of you are familiar with is be sober, uh, uh, first of all, it's first uh, Peter chapter five and verse eight, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now, I-, I opened it up by stating that you know we're stating the obvious, and and to those that are saved for any period of time, it is obvious, but I can't take that for granted because there may be someone that happens upon the podcast that may have no understanding of the bible and what's going on they might not even understand what the bible's all about and the uh the conflict that that has arisen between the lord god and the antichrist and uh, the devil himself and so the reason I I do this is I just want to make the obvious plane so that people understand where we're coming from. You know, the devil is, has a job to do. And uh, in Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 3, we'll find what that, uh, what that job is, at least it's self-proclaimed job. It says, uh, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key uh, of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand, And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. So we see from the verse, especially in verse three, that the devil's job is to deceive the nations. And not only the nations, but he deceives you and I as well as individuals. And he walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's his job. Now, I'd like for you to turn to another verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, in verse 11. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices now he has devices that he uses he has all kinds of things that he that he uh, tries to implement to uh, cause uh, an individual or a nation to fall and uh, the Bible says that we're not ignorant of those devices the context of that verse that I just read is found there in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 is about a young man, actually, that he wrote about in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 who was committing a heinous sin. And uh, he, Paul said, you know, uh, turn one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Paul was pretty emphatic that uh, they ought to separate the church ought to separate themselves from this young man that was committing this heinous sin. <clears throat> it turns out that this young man was was grieved over his sin and wanted to get right, but the, but the people were not willing to forgive him. And so that's what this context is found in chapter 2, and uh, the sin of unforgiveness and holding envious and, and a bitter spirit towards him. And Paul says that that is one of the devices of the devil and that we are not to be ignorant of that. We're to see through the fact that anytime time we start getting a, an envious spirit or a bitter spirit or an unforgiving spirit, it is a device of the devil to cause us to move away from God and to move away from brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, <clears throat> there are many other things which are more subtle And uh, that we as Christians, as well as churches, need to be aware of so that we are not deceived. Uh, We need to be cautious of the trends in Christianity. Uh, Some of the movements that are taking place in churches. Uh, What we're finding, and, and if you keep your eyes open... The liberal churches uh, moved to this a long time ago, but now we're even starting to see it in fundamental churches where the social gospel is being preached. Um, you know, try, you know, basically just trying to be nice to each other, be kind to each other, and so forth, and not taking on uh, the militant. Attitude that we are to have it, it, as it's described there in second Timothy where it says um, that we are to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ we're the, the the tendency is to become more passive and not militant and that is one of the trends in Christianity that's taken place today. Um, you need to remember also, and this has been stated in some of the podcasts before that the church Or the Church Age, if you will, is a specific section. Section, but the Church, as a body, ends up in in apostasy in Revelation chapter three, with the Laodicean Church. It ends in apostasy. But this is nothing new. If you were a Bible student and took a look at it in an overview, you could see that Eden uh, is a great beginning, but it ends in apostasy. It ends with sin. But even from that, you go on through the from Eden until the flood, it ends badly. <laughs> it starts out good and ends badly. The patriarchs, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, but that ends with bondage in Egypt. You have Joshua going through into Canaan and, and having all the great victories, but it ends up with in judges, with oppression from the surrounding countries on the nation of Israel. You have the kings, and they show up. Some of them are, are tremendous kings, and some of them are not so good. Uh, some of them are terrible, but it, they end up in captivity, not only just to Nebuchadnezzar, but some of the others as well. Now, why is that? And uh, I'd like for you to turn to, to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I'd like to read to you part of this. Uh, part of this chapter. And we'll start in verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth and that uh, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie and so forth and so on. Now, what you saw there was the mystery of iniquity. Now, one thing that you need to, to, well, maybe I'll just enlighten you a little bit on, is the fact that the mystery of iniquity is Satan manifest in the flesh. Interestingly enough, uh, there are 18 types of this mystery of iniquity, or 18 types of Satan or the Antichrist, as you will, in the Old Testament, um, and you know the, the other thought that comes to mind when I when I think of this, and as I was preparing for this, you realize that Paul, the Apostle Paul, led these Thessalonians to the Lord, and you get a flavor of what Paul thought was important information, what important doctrines that. Uh, the Thessalonians needed to know. Obviously, there's a lot of things there in 1 Thessalonians. Talks about the rapture, talks about uh, God's forgiveness and so forth, and, and talks about his return, not just in the rapture, but also in other places. And... Uh, many things, talks about how you ought to work, talks about rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus concerning you. But he also thought it was important enough to let them know about the Antichrist and what he was going to do and how identify him, basically. And uh, give some detailed information of what's going to happen in a time period we call the tribulation. Notice in verse five of Second Thessalonians chapter two, it says, Remember ye not that when I was yet with you I told you these things? Paul thought it was really important that this uh, subject of the Antichrist and what he'll be doing in the tribulation was important information for them to know. Now go to first Timothy, first Timothy chapter three. First Timothy chapter three, <clears throat> we've seen the mystery of iniquity. Now we'll take a look at, uh, look at the mystery of godliness in verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into Glory. Now, you have the mystery of iniquity, and you have the mystery of godliness. And consequently, just for your information, that's God manifest in the flesh. And uh, I've read a piece here where, it's, where someone did a study, and they said that there were 21 types of, of, of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament— now, I don't know how much you're into numerology and so forth, but three times 18 for the mystery of iniquity is uh, three times six, <laughs> sorry about that, is 18, six 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 the number of the Antichrist. Um, the uh, number of God and the number of completion is uh, 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 three times seven, 21, 777. Uh, seven, seven. Uh, just little interesting things about that that just maybe cause you to think a little bit because there are uh, the numerology is very real in the Bible. Um, Shortly after the new Testament was completed, scholars and theologians and so forth started messing with the text of the scripture, but also the interpretation of the scripture. Instead of always comparing scripture with scripture Uh, At times, they would insert their own reasoning to try to explain things they did not understand. In other words, things that appeared to be the same, uh, they would make comment on. But later on, and as the truth be told, they were actually different. Now, I'd like to give you an example. Most commentators are going to tell you that the rider of the white horse in Revelation 6 and the rider of the white horse in Revelation chapter 19 are the same. And uh, even scholars today are going to have that, that opinion. They both ride white horses, and they both go to conquer. But that's where the similarities end. Now, take a look in Revelation chapter 6. We'll read this uh, this ver- a couple of verses here. And then we'll read the Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 16. And then we'll, we'll make some comparison. We'll compare Scripture with Scripture. It says in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, And I saw, uh, I saw when the Lamb opened up the, uh, one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw and beheld a white horse, And he that sat on him had a bow and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Now, uh, let's go to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. In verse 11, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True and in righteousness he doth judge and make war his eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself and he was clothed with a vesture uh, clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his name is called the word of god and the armies of heaven which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen white and clean and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that it sh- uh, that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty god and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written king of kings and lord of lords now, obviously, the, the last writer here in Revelation 19 is a reference to Jesus Christ. First of all, you see there in verse 13, the Word of God, capital W-O-R-D. That's not a reference to the written word. That's a reference to the personification of the word, which is Jesus Christ. Obviously, the, the, the last verse, verse that we read, verse 16, he had a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and that's, of course, Jesus Christ. And uh the other reference would be up there in verse 16. He's called faithful and true. Now that's Jesus Christ. The comparison between the two is that one in Revelation 6 is uh, the writer is not identified, whereas the writer in Revelation 19 is. He's identified. And he comes out of heaven. Number two, <clears throat> the writer in Revelation 6 has a crown, a singular crown. In Revelation 19, he has many crowns. In Revelation 6, he has a bow with no arrows. So he comes in peaceably, if you will. He has a show of strength, but he comes in peaceably. The writer in Revelation uh, 19, he has a sword that comes out of his mouth, and he destroys those that are in front of him. As uh, you could find in Joel chapter two and Zechariah and many other passages in the Old Testament, uh, we didn't read this in Revelation chapter six, but you could follow along down to just a couple of verses. And the the writer in Revelation six is followed by death and hell. The writer in Revelation chapter nineteen is followed by a thousand years of peace on earth. They are not the same they're not the same. Yet Satan, in his attempt, he wants to look as much like Jesus Christ as he possibly can. He wants to confuse and, if you will, intercept the worship that is intended for Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to go through a little bit of this in in just a, a moment, but I want you to understand that what Satan wants, he wants what God has. He wants the position of God. He wants the authority of God. He wants the worship of God. And if he can't get it in one way by defeating God outright, which I still think he thinks he can do, he will take it in small doses by being a counterfeit of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we saw in Revelation 19 that Jesus Christ, and and what I want to do is is to put these two side by side. I want to put Jesus Christ on one side, and I want to put Satan on the other side. And several areas we want to cover showing the comparison in how that what Jesus Christ is according to the Word of God Satan tries to imitate or to counterfeit on the other side. We saw that that, uh, Jesus Christ in Revelation chapter 19 is king of kings. He's king. If you were to go to Job, Job chapter 41, Job chapter 41, and the last verse there, now this is all talking about Leviathan you find out, if you study your Bible, which we've done, I believe this in another uh, podcast, that Leviathan is called a dragon. We've already read in Revelation chapter 12, I believe, that, uh, or actually Revelation 20, that uh, Satan is that dragon. He is the devil, and so forth. So by Scripture with Scripture, we're talking about Leviathan here, and you get a pretty pretty gruesome description of what uh, Leviathan or Satan is like. And in verse 34, it says, and, uh, he beholdeth all high things. He is a king over all the children of pride. Notice the king is in small case, and he's the king over those that are sinners. He's king over all the children of pride. That's not a reference to Jesus Christ. That's a reference to the devil. So, Jesus Christ is a king, and Satan is a king. He's a king over all the children of pride. Go to Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. <clears throat> Acts chapter 27, in reference to Jesus Christ. Take a look in uh, uh, verse 23. Verse 23. The Apostle Paul is is in the midst of a, a, a tempest called Euraclidon, or Euraclidon, however you like to pronounce it, and uh, they're being tossed around for quite some time. In verse 20, 23, it says, For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. Now, if I read my Bible right, the only one that Paul served— and the one, uh, so forth, was the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the angel of the Lord, the angel of God. Now take your Bible and go to Second Corinthians chapter eleven. Second Corinthians chapter eleven. That angel appeared to Paul, and it was the angel of God. It was the appearance of Jesus Christ, <clears throat> in Second uh, Corinthians chapter eleven. Let's take a look in uh, verse 11. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse, not uh, 11, let's, um, let's start in verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostle of Christ. For no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Now, notice what it says there. It didn't say that Satan was an angel, which is a common belief today. Notice what the word what the Bible says, and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. I often talk to people when they tell me about dreams and visions, which Matt was talking about here, I believe last or not last podcast, but the podcast before. And he talked about dreams, and, and people have told me that they've had an apparition at the foot of their bed, and they think it's Jesus. And I'm telling I show them this verse, and I say, look, Satan can transform himself and appear as an angel. He can appear as an angel. He's trying to deceive someone into thinking that it's Jesus when Jesus isn't going to show up that way. Do you remember on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus ascended uh, there on the Mount of Olives in front of his disciples, and they w- were transfixed. They were they were watching Jesus Christ go up into the clouds, and there were two angels that stood behind the disciples. And they said, Why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you out of heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go. Jesus isn't going to come and make personal appearances. When Jesus Christ comes, he's going to come in the clouds, and take the children or take the church out of this world. He's not going to come and stand at the foot of, of grandma's bed and tell her everything's okay, or see this great light with this, this figure at, the, at this tunnel of light and say everything is okay, you don't have to worry about it, you're all right, you can just live the way you are, and everything's going to be okay. That's a deception from the devil. He can transform himself into an angel of light on the other side of that kind of taking the next word of that the bible says in first uh, john first john chapter 5 or i'm sorry first john chapter 1 verse 5 says this in regards to jesus christ this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that god is light in him is no darkness at all so We have God and Jesus Christ as light. We just read where Satan can transform himself into an angel of light. trying to appear something that he is not. Um, Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And this is in reference to the minister's the ministers of Jesus Christ. In verse all um, well, verse 11, it's talking about what the Lord has done here in the body of Christ and gifts that He's given. it says, "And He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, reason for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry." for the edifying of the body of Christ. So that's what they're there for. The God has his ministers to edify the church. Now, go back over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Notice what it says there again in verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. So by that verse right there, you're going to find some people, even in our day, that are going to pretend or or come off as being apostles of Jesus Christ. And they're not. They're workers of iniquity. They're from, they're false apostles. They're deceitful workers. The verse we read there in verse 14, and no marvel for Satan himself, uh, is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, verse 15, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. They're ministers of righteousness. You have many ministers that are out there that are not preaching the gospel of the Bible, the gospel of the New Testament. They're preaching the, the, the message of good works. They're preaching the minister, uh, the, 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 they're ministers of righteousness. Teaching that a person, if they live right, they keep the golden rule, if they keep the Ten Commandments, they're going to be okay and they're going to get to heaven. That's a lie. You get there by the, the blood of Jesus Christ and nothing less. But as many as received Christ, received Him; to them gave He power to become the sons of God. It says not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. It's not our efforts; it's we're, people are being deceived by ministers of righteousness. And that's a counterfeit of the devil. That's a device of the devil. We're not ignorant of those devices. If you read your Bible and you come across some place where you know you you hear somebody preaching that you, you gotta keep the Ten Commandments, you gotta keep the golden rule in order to get to heaven. You gotta be baptized in order to get to heaven, you gotta keep the sacraments in order to get to heaven, you gotta take communion in order to get to heaven. And then you read a verse like I just quoted to you, that it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. And there's a contradiction there. You need to find out that there's a device of the devil that's trying to deceive you, and we're not ignorant of those devices. Um, take a look at, uh, in the same same uh, context here, the same thought. Take a look in Romans chapter sixteen a verse we talked about I think a couple of a uh, couple of weeks ago, and uh was just brought to my attention. I thought I'd add it in here, Romans chapter uh, sixteen um, in verse seventeen Romans chapter sixteen verse seventeen. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned. And avoid them, for they <clears throat> that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. They deceive them. By good words, fair speeches. Oh, doesn't they, wasn't that sermon such a lovely sermon? Look, you need somebody to as we would say rip your face off and tell you what kind of a sinner you are and where you're standing in God in God's sight. He's done more for you than someone that has, that has kissed your hands and kissed your ear, tickled your ears and so forth and given you blown you a bunch of kisses. That's not the kind of preaching you need. You need someone that's going to tell you straight from the scriptures. Somehow it's twisted around in this present day, that someone that speaks forthrightly and speaks to you truth that hurts and stings is the bad guy, and the guy that has pleasant speeches, fair speeches, uh, 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 good words is the one that's your friend, and it's quite the opposite. Paul's words were weighty, They they were coarse, they were rude. Not because he was mean, not because he was nasty, but because he spoke the truth. And the people he was speaking to were sinners. Now, if you're not a sinner, then you don't need to listen to me. But the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Now, this we already talked about. Uh, in verse, uh, uh, at least in this regard, in, uh, in regards to Jesus Christ, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, in verse 16, it says, For grub, uh, for, uh, let me get over there. I just started it out wrong, and if I do that, there it is. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. So Jesus Christ is God, and he's manifest in the flesh. So Jesus Christ is God. Now take a look in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Satan is a counterfeit. Take a look in in, uh, verse 3, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God, notice how that's spelled, that's not a reference to Jesus Christ. That's not a reference to God the Father. That's not a reference to the Holy Spirit. That's a reference to the devil, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You have Jesus Christ as God, and you have Satan as a God, the God of this world. Go to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. Let's take a look in verse 9. Uh, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven uh, vials full of, of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me a great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. So it talks about a bride there and that bride, which is a city and that's holy Jerusalem. It's coming out of, uh, out of God, out of heaven. Now go to Revelation chapter 17 Revelation chapter 17. We'll, uh, we'll pick this up starting in verse 1. <clears throat> in verse 1, And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, come, up, uh, come hither, and I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of the names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. If you do any Bible study, you'll know that's the devil. And the woman was arrayed in purple and and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of the abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, the abomination uh, and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And the, and the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which uh, hath the seven heads and ten horns. And the beast which thou sawest uh, was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder, whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world uh, when they behold the beast that was and is not and is and yet is. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains, which thou, uh, which, which the woman sitteth. Take a look in verse 18. And the woman which thou sawest is that great, City, which reigneth over the kings of the earth, Jesus Christ has a city, and Satan has a city. Um, we won't turn there to go to this, but most of you know this particular scripture in Matthew chapter four, when uh, uh, Jesus uh, Jesus Christ will cite scripture or quote scripture in a conflict. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. He's tempted of the devil there in Matthew chapter 4. You know, he comes to him three times for three different uh, uh, temptations. That's recorded there anyway. And Jesus Christ, each and every time, in answering the devil, quotes the Scripture. But you realize that the devil quotes Scripture as well. There in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 10, he quotes part of a Scripture, he doesn't quote the whole thing. He doesn't put it in context. He just quotes part of it and basically abuses the Scripture to try to deceive the Lord. And the Lord quotes back the Scripture to him. So they both quote Scripture. God desires worship. I think that's a given. We can find that anywhere throughout the, uh, the, the Word of God. The angel of the Lord tells Joshua, Take off thy shoes from off thy feet for the, for the ground which thou standest is holy ground uh Moses standing before the 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 burning bush remove uh, thy feet from off uh, off thy um, remove thy shoes from off thy feet for the ground which thou standest holy ground uh Jesus Christ ascribed that worship and never never stopped anyone from bowing down to him you know after he comes out of the garden out of the tomb you know he's in the garden and uh he appears unto the women and they bow down and they worship him and they hold him by his feet. They worship the Lord. Uh, But uh, take a look in uh, uh, Matthew. Go go to Matthew chapter 4. This one we can read. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. And we'll go through that uh, scripture that he uh, that he quoted to him. Um, in verse 8 it says, And again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Of course in verse 10, then Jesus saith unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And uh, the devil desires worship. Um, we were there earlier, and we read this, but I probably didn't click with you at the time. But go to Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians. I think we read it. Might not have. Second Thessalonians, if I get to the right book. Second Thessalonians, I don't think we read it. Um let's uh let's start with um let's start in verse one. Second Thessalonians chapter two and verse one. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by the spirit nor by word, nor by letter, as from us. As that day of Christ is at hand, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Now that's talking about the Antichrist being revealed. Um, let's see. Ah, I all I had to go is a little bit further. Um let's continue on in verse three. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. Uh, that man of sin be revealed, the son of Perdition, who's oppo- who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitting in the temple of God, showeth himself that he is God. And again we we pointed we mentioned earlier that that's what Satan wants. He wants the worship of God. Now, I'll give you these verses cuz I think we're being pressed for time, but uh Jesus Christ is the anointed. You find that in Acts chapter 4 verses uh, 26 through probably about 29, somewhere around in there. And it's a quotation found from Psalm 2, verse 2. And you'll find out that that Satan also is anointed. Um, take a look in Matthew. Uh, we'll have to read these. Go to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. I guess I just can't just let it go. Um, in verse 4 it says Jesus answered and said unto them take heed that no man deceive you for many shall call uh, come in my name saying I am Christ and shall deceive many now the word Christ is um, in the Greek and you don't have to know this but this is what it is the word anointed in Greek is Christos or Christ. In the Old Testament, it's, um, if I can remember this, Mashiach, something along that, it's Messiah in Hebrew. It means uh, the anointed one, and an anointed one can be good or bad, as we'll see here. Go to Ezekiel chapter 28. Ezekiel chapter 28. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 28, let's pick it up in verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, uh, Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. And we've covered this in another podcast, but this king of Tyrus, it may be an earthly king, but it's, he's speaking of the devil. And you see that in verse 13. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. The king of Tyrus was never in Eden. That was all uh, covered up and bound up by the uh, cherubim there when Adam and Eve were kicked out. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle. And the gold and the workmanship of thy tabards and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Speaking of Satan, he says, "Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou wast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in the in all thy ways from the day that thou was created till iniquity was found in thee." And of course, it call, go, talks about the fall of Satan there. So he is the anointed cherub that covered. Uh, as I said, the anointed could be good or bad. Saul was anointed king, and David said, "I will not touch the lord's anointed when Saul was chasing after David, and David had an opportunity to kill him. So what we have here is we have um a title and uh uh, well, when we ha- when we see this, um, I'm trying to think of a word. Maybe Pastor Struble can help me out when I, after he comes back on here. But we have the Lord Jesus Christ, which is a title that's given to Jesus Christ, and and I just want to break that down. Christ is a title, not a name, and of course we just learned that it means the Anointed or the Messiah. Jesus is the Lord's earthly name. It means Jehovah saves, or Emmanuel, or God with us, and of course the Lord is a title of respect referring to a master or a teacher or a rabbi or a ruler, and of course when it's capitalized, it makes it reference to the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. Take a look in Second uh, Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter thirteen, Second Corinthians chapter. 13. Get to it there. Um, let's take a look in verse. Uh, I, I'm sure there's other places, but this is uh, a good place. In verse 14, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. That's a great verse for the Trinity because it talks about the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God that's separate from the Lord Jesus Christ and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. But that's, that is the full title of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, take a look at one other, uh, one other thing. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And take a look at what it says here in verse 3. Wherefore, I give unto you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now, I don't know how long you've been saved. And, of course, when I got saved, there were bumper stickers going around saying "Jesus Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. I want you to understand that that is not the confession of a born-again child of God speaking through the Spirit of God. Because the confession of a child of God speaking through the Spirit of God is that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Go to Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Now, this is the one that they were quoting, but I want you to understand where this comes from and who's doing the speaking. Philippians chapter 2. Well, let's pick it up in verse 9. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That's talking about Jesus. It says there in verse 10 that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Notice there's no speaking through the Spirit here. You know why that is? Because one day Satan himself is going to bow the knee and he is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. The confession of a born-again saved sinner is that Jesus Christ is the Lord, because there are many lords, that Jesus Christ is the Lord. The confession of lost men, the confession of the demons and devils of hell, is that Jesus uh, Jesus Christ is Lord. That's their confession. Now, Satan has tried to usurp God's authority. He's tried to take God's place. He's tried to take the worship of God and he wants to be God himself. He is religious. I want you to understand that he is religious. You're not going to find Satan in the bars uh, going after all the bad people, lost people, whatever you want to say. He's not in the bars. Satan is going to be in the churches, whether it's a liberal church or conservative church, or fundamental church, or evangelical church, he's going to be in there counterfeiting himself to deceive the hearts of the simple. We are not to be ignorant of his devices. We're to be on guard. We're to be ready. We're to be looking. We're to be wise to the Scriptures. We ought to know how he's going to come across. And if we know how he counterfeits then we can divide our Bible correctly. And when we divide our Bible correctly, we know where he is and who he is, and we will not be deceived by him. So my admonishment, my admonition to you is, don't be deceived by the great counterfeiter. Turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Know your Bible. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Steve. That was...
1: was it was a good lesson, a lot of scripture too, and and that's good (laughs) stuff. And, um, Pastor Strobel. Uh,
3: A lot of things come to mind. And first of all, I'd say it's, this is a very important and enlightening study. Uh, sometimes we have learned these things can take them for granted and we can forget how blinded we used to be. Um, Mm. when I first learned this, what a revelation it was when I discovered that, uh, this thing about the devil being an imitator in the word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and more than just being tantalizing, uh, it helps me. And it'll help people to keep from falling into the snares the devil set for mankind. Mm-hmm. Um, Brother Steve mentioned some of these verses, and um, he had much more that he could have said. Uh, but as he mentioned, we're getting, uh, time was getting on there. And so, uh, but let me just connect a few of these dots. He mentioned the devil being um, a roaring lion in First Peter five eight. And then itself is an imitation of the Lord Jesus Christ, who himself is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Yeah. Um, the devil is—well, take Jesus first. He's the prince of peace. The Devil's referred to as the prince of the power of the air in Ephesians 2, verse 1. Um, Brother Steve mentioned about the son of perdition and reading that. And that's an imitation because Jesus Christ is the son of God. Uh, God has a throne, the book of Revelation. And elsewhere, of course, we see his throne in the scriptures, a book of Ezekiel. Um, in Psalm ninety four twenty, it talks about the throne of iniquity, saying, "Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee?" And of course, uh, the devil wanted to exalt him, his throne. I believe it was above the stars of uh, God, and uh, that would have been in Isaiah, in chapter number fourteen. Matter of fact, let me let me give you the exact reference here in uh, Isaiah, in just a moment. Be Isaiah fourteen verse thirteen, for thou said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven; I will exalt my throne," said the devil above the stars of God. And then, um, while we're in Isaiah fourteen, you know one of the ways the devil uh, imitates God, and and uh, he desires, as brother Steve was telling you, the worship that God gets, and he wants the place of God. And in this in this thing about him being transformed into an angel of light. And uh, finding him in religious circles, um, you'll find him in Bibles. Mm. And in the New International Version, and it's, and it's not the only one. There's a number of them that follow this line. But in Isaiah 14, verse 12, in the King James, we read, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? And then in the NIV, it says, How have you fallen from heaven, morning star? So instead of being called son of the morning, as the King James rightly uh, depicts him, in the NIV, he's called morning star. And what's so startling about that and so dangerous is in Revelation 22, verse 16, the morning star is the name that the Lord Jesus Christ takes for himself. He said, I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Hmm. So if you have an NIV... Based on that text, you can't tell the difference between Jesus and the devil. Yep. And he's gone ahead and supplanted him there. Amen. So a very good study.
2: Amen.
1: Amen. Nice job, Steve. So <clears throat> yeah, we'll expect at least two more in this series.
2: <laughs> yeah, when time allows and uh, the other guys get their turn, just to make sure that they're not taking over here. <laughs> Amen. A little inside joke there, people. Well,
1: well Matt said you could have his turn.
2: Yeah, I'm sure he did.
1: <laughs> Since he's not That's, here.
3: Yeah, he'll find out all the things he said when he comes back next time. <laughs> uh,
1: so, so good job. That was that was informative and uh just another reason to to make sure you have the right Bible and you're you're checking these things out that people that's you know might even claim that they're bringing you some message that has to do with with God check and mm-hmm. check for yourself to make sure that that it's uh it's who they claim
2: it is well amen you know one thing let me just add we do, I don't I, I believe I can speak for all of us in in this regard uh, I wouldn't do this normally but I think in this regard I think I can none of us feel like we have attained and that we Amen. have all the answers and we would encourage you as a listener uh, to be as the Bereans uh, found in Acts chapter 17 to search the scriptures to see whether these things be so or not. Amen. We, we don't we don't claim to have all the answers. Now what I've taught you tonight I believe to be the truth but you ought to go through the scriptures yourself to make sure that they are the truth. Uh, You should never take the word of a man, Uh, a preacher. You you may love him. You may, you you know, um, be the greatest guy. He may have, you know, delivered you or, you know, helped you out in a crisis or whatever. And they deserve the respect because of what they've done. But don't ever think that they can't make a mistake and that they might stray from the scriptures. The scriptures are the authority. Not Pastor Strobel, not me, not Matt, not Eric, not any preacher. We're not the authority. the The King James Bible is the authority, and therefore you should reference it to that and find out what if what we have said whether it be so or not. Amen. Amen.
1: You can certainly speak for me on that part. Amen. <laughs> Times are well, the, the choir started singing.
2: Ah. Fancy that! <laughs> every head bowed,
3: every eye shut.
2: <laughs> uh, so,
1: so it was good. Right, uh, so anything else as we uh, wind out? No, uh, well,
2: can't think of anything.
1: Pastor Strobel. Yes, marvelous. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Thanks for being here. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) All right. And Lord willing, we see everybody here for episode number 56 next time, Lord willing. Amen.
3: Be sure to join us next time. Same bat time, same bat channel. When the boy wonder... Matthew himself will be bringing us our Bible study from your King James Bible.
0: Rising up in the sky, telling this world goodbye, homeward we then will fly, glory to share. Shall rise righteous be in, in the skies, go where, going where no one dies, heavenward. Bows. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will, many meet, will meet their doom. Trumpets will trumpets sound, will surely sound. All of the dead shall rise righteous be in the skies.
1: This has been a production of the That's in the Bible podcast. To leave a comment or to ask a question, visit our website at com, or email us at that's in the Bible at gmail.com or call our listener feedback voicemail at 716 584
2: Again, that's 716-584-1611. As always, thanks for listening and press on.